Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we're married. We are. Happily so. So, speaking of that... <laughs> no, <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's an article that I want to read on L.com. E-L-L-E. Mm-hmm. The magazine? The yeah, and magazine. apparently it's really good. It's called Don't Say You're Happily Married. I have no idea what it's about, but all of my Canavox people really like really? it. But it gets blocked by our, our thingy, your filter. Oh. Well, I can I'm not sure why. It. Um, I think it's because it thinks that it's going to a website that's going to steal our data, not because of your your porn blockers, but a data stealing blocker. But oh, I'm intrigued all... to see why L, in a good way, like in a marriage culture building way, wants us to stop seeing that. Okay, we're we are. Married. Um, I once heard an evangelical pastor say Christians should never use the word happy because it's. It doesn't reflect the true joy that Christ gives us deep down in our hearts. So maybe we should say we're joyfully married. That's weird. (laughs) I'm just saying. All right. So anyway, we're on track to continue the weekly podcasts. Uh, We are, if you're new to our show, thanks for joining us. Uh, We tend to be slightly irreverent. Um, and slightly irregular. Yeah, well, we're trying to be more regular. In our podcasting, not our bathroom habits. Yeah, we're very regular in my bathroom habits. Our two-year-old is, isn't, because she's picky. Yeah, she was running around today without any pants on. That's normal. Again. That's normal. The problem is she's potty training herself. Oh. And she's all about peeing on the potty, but she won't poop on the potty. So if she's running around naked, she'll pee on the potty all day long. But then she, but she doesn't want to have a diaper put on her so she can poop. She has to like mm. be in the moment when she gets the urge to poop and already have the diaper on, which means uh. that um, when she gets put on the potty or if she gets a diaper put on her to poop, she freezes up and yeah, pooping is really traumatic for the two year old right now. Pooping has seemed has been kind of traumatic for all of our kids. The pooping on the potty thing is a big deal. Yeah. I've had a couple nights where pooping has been kind of traumatic for myself, but we won't go into that That's story. That's because on the you show. eat too much spicy food. Probably. Um, Probably. An update for you all from last week. Um, our kids, thanks to viewer feedback, thanks Rachel, amongst other people who responded to us about last week's podcast. Our kids are watching a show currently because we're filming in the afternoon, recording in the afternoon. They're watching a show called Secrets of the Zoo. And as I closed the door behind me, there were some zookeepers trying to mate a pair of kangaroos. And while JR was turning on his computer, I rushed out there because I'm actually very curious, the mechanics, how kangaroos mate. But they put a smaller, younger male in with an older, bigger female, and she beat him up. Until they separated them, <laughs> they pulled the female out by her tail. Because <laughs> they're, they're not like giant kangaroos. They were like maybe waist-high kangaroos. And so they pulled her out by Young her Young women everywhere learn from the kangaroo. Right. Beat him up if he tries to take advantage if of If he's you. smaller and younger. <laughs> and so they, they put him in with an oh, older no. male to calm him down and make him feel <laughs> calm again. But um, we have no idea what's going so on much. out there right now. <laughs> They're learning so much. They are, yeah. There's, yes. We started at an early age explaining to them body parts and not entirely the mechanics of the sexual reproductive system, but the scientific names and functions of said body parts. So 
like the show that they're watching now and they stick a camera up a vagina to look at baby, the baby warthog, warthog that's, stuck. <laughs> that's stuck in the birth canal they know what the heck is is they're talking about yeah except so the least least said that. it was a straw <laughs> and not a scope <laughs> a straw they're gonna suck it out <laughs> they actually did a with a suction cube suction cup with a or not a cup but you know a, like a something with a macaw that had been abused and had an egg stuck in her they thought for like a really long time oh speaking of sucking things you guys <laughs> molly i am so glad we are done with infants and toddlers and the nose the nose where you the no, yeah where you suck you put it over the nose i never could do it and you suck the snot out there's We've a screen. Little sponge that's I supposed don't know. I don't believe it. I'm just. I'm. I can't bring. Mentally, I couldn't bring myself to suck the snot. It was. So How gross. do you think one of those oh. little sponges in the nose free to protect you from getting germs and snot from your kid compares to mask wearing? Like, how many masks equals one of those sponges? Because you know they're now recommending wearing three masks. Did you know that? I think it would be easier for everyone if they just recommend people don't go outside or do anything anymore. They have recommended that. Yeah. Just give us all our universal income and wait for everybody to kill themselves from loneliness and isolation. And by not going outside, the virus is actually worse. There's no scientific... And actually, there's that would now, actually there's solve... There's now a published scientific study saying that people who eat fast food frequently are faring worse with COVID than people who don't. Well, if they all die of mental illness, and that would certainly solve some of our entitlement problems we're going to have in another 10 or 15 years. Oh, man. We're going to have a for that. <laughs> okay. On to more happy, happy topics. Things. Oh, we're not supposed to use the word happy. Joyful Joyfulness. topics. Yeah. Anyway. Um, hey, speaking yes. of Jesus juking, though. <laughs> Ooh, this will be fun. Um, I... So I told JR that I had wanted to save this conversation for the podcast. And then I like had too much of it in my brain and I just like verbally vomited it all on him a couple of days ago. And then I came downstairs 10 minutes ago. And you guys, like, you couldn't resist. I don't, I don't remember any of what I told you I wanted to talk about on the podcast. You need to jog my memory. But what started... There's two roots that started the train of thought because he was able to jog my memory enough. One of them was a post that I saw on a homeschool Facebook page for reformed people. And the funny thing about oh that boy. is it it it's intended for people who are of a particular theological strand that is considered reformed theology. We would consider ourselves heirs of the Reformation, you hear Reformed Reformation, same root, right? So people who are follow that typically Calvinistic would 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 own the five points of Calvinism, tulip, and then that branches into strands of Presbyterianism, which does infant baptism, and then Reformed Baptists who don't, um, but would still ascribe to there's, I, I read online not too long ago, there's something like 70 confessions and catechisms that are considered reformed. Um, like from, from the time of the Reformation, like Calvin's had a catechism all the way up to the present day. For the record, I don't consider myself reformed. I consider myself orthodox, small, oh, historically 
orthodox. Because it's it, every time the word Reformation comes up, or Calvinism, or whatever, you're identifying your faith with a man, or a simple particular, a man that's not Christ, or a singular particular point in history, which drives me nuts. Because that history was only one little element of trying to keep Christianity on track from moving through heretical... Are you, like, Augustine juking me? No! This is just... (laughs) (laughs) No, this is just my personal... I despise calling myself Reformed because it it doesn't... it's, It's too limiting. It's too limiting. It's too small. It doesn't have the breadth, the depth, or the historicity that historical Christianity... That has been around for five, six hundred. That was around well, you know for a thousand years I'm before not, the Reformation. I'm both going to disagree with you okay. and juke you because oh. I, when I went to, when I was an exchange student in England, they didn't call themselves Reformed at the church I went to. Oh, even though it was, okay. they called themselves biblical. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We'll so, call it that. So right. anyway, anyway also back to the your... term lends itself to confusion because right. I think there are people who have somehow stumbled across this group and think that reformed homeschoolers is like um you you're you've changed something or you're reforming homeschooling like that as reformed as an adjective like you can be a reformed convict you can be a reformed right. drug dealer reformed alcoholic yes and so um that adjective in itself is Hilarious. not for people who don't aren't in that very narrow strand of okay that's really funny have no idea what it means. So, like, there's some gal was like, okay, I just saw kind of a negative thing said about Mormons on here, and I'm Mormon, so I don't understand what this group is about. And, you know, <laughs> and of course, some people are super gracious and they're like, good. Well, you're welcome here. Like, this is what reform means. Like, these are the tenets of what we believe. Um, you know, you're welcome here, though. And other people were like, you're a heretic. <laughs> it's like, well, that's the reformed people I know and love. The know and bullies. don't love anyway. But um, but so so there's this question oh, on there because the, the distinction is important between, in some ways, between reformed Baptists and reformed Presbyterians. This person asked a question that the more I think about it, the sadder it is. At first, it just struck me as kind of bizarre. She said... I need recommendations of good music for my kids that's straight out of scripture because I don't like playing normal Christian kids music to my kids like Jesus loves me and I am Jesus' little lamb because they're not regenerate and so that that's not true of them. And the first part, like, it caught my eye as a question. I usually skim past a lot of these because if I could spend my entire life answering people's questions on these forums like this, even though I'm only a member of, like, three of them on Facebook. The first part caught my eye because I have tons of sing the Bible music for both kids and adults that I love. And it's one of my favorite ways to do scripture memory because I'm very lazy. I really like the risers. Do you guys... Do any of you guys from the early 2000s remember a band called Super Chick? Do you remember a band called Super Chick? Super Chick was super good, right? But they were a Christian pop rock band, uh, and the risers sound almost identical to Super Chick. They have that cool sound. R-I-Z-E-R-S, if you have kids. R-I-Z-E-R-S. It's an animated band. They're fictional. It's like a kid's rock band. Yeah, and they do straight scripture. Um, but it's actually well written and produced yeah, it's well. Nice Sounds music. really nice. Yeah. But I also love Seeds Family Worship. There's a scripture lullaby one that I've put our kids to bed. There's it's not scripture, but like the Jesus Storybook mm-hmm. Bible. 
uh, Rain for Roots did um, Slugs and Bugs. You know, even going old school, like there's some like Steve Green ones that the kids have watched and keep, remember, like, keep your tongue from evil, keep your tongue. And then they have to sing it with holding their tongue. Take that tongue from evil, keep that tongue. And your lips from seat. speaking lies. Um, but, you know, like, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us. Yes, I. Is, salty. Remember Salty I was just from back say, in the day? That's Salty, yeah. which I grew up with Salty tapes that I loved. Yeah. Salty on YouTube is creepy as all get out. Creepy AF. Yeah. <laughs> um, the guy, the salty guy is still around. Like if you look him up yeah. on Instagram. Ernie Rutino. If you look him up on Instagram, he's still around. So anyway, like I, at first going back to the reformed homeschoolers question, I was like, oh, I've got, you know, let's, wait a second. What does she say in the second part? She doesn't want to sing Jesus loves me to her kids. And so I kind of pushed back on that in my response to her. She never responded, but somebody else did. But I had a conversation with Titus not too long ago. And, you know, it's so funny things that your kids have literally done for their whole lives. I have sung Jesus Loves Me to him at bedtime for 10 years straight. So he has had Jesus Loves Me sung to him over 3,000 times. He, the other night... A couple weeks ago, I was like, Mom, you know, when you sing those words, have you ever thought about what they really mean? And I was like, actually, I have, buddy. This is why we sing it to you every night. Because ideally, I mean, we now sing it as a family. And then there's like all sorts of drama and screaming and yelling and fighting before you're actually going to sleep. It's but like a I, rock show. But ideally, a little bit of moshing ideally, you know, the reason we do that at night is because we want the last thing you think about before you go to sleep at night to know that Jesus loves you, that you're safe. Then if you keep going in the song, for the Bible tells me so, we want you even from, you know, every night to remember that what the Bible says is true and trustworthy. And the most important thing that the Bible says is that Jesus loves you. And all the rest of the Bible explains how that works out in history and in our lives. And, um, and he was like, oh, hmm. Like he had a very like serious thoughtful moment. And now I'm thinking about this lady who doesn't want to give her kids that security and that assurance. And it's because she's a reformed Baptist who believes that her kids are unregenerate and should be offered the gospel and taught the truth of scripture, but not taught, Mm. not taught that you are part of, I mean, there's a Reformed Presbyterian book by a lady called Heirs of the Covenant, and it's talking about raising what in our church circles we would refer to as covenant kids, and that when when you baptize a kid in a Presbyterian context, you're not saying you're saved. What you're saying are everything that you hear in church, all the promises of God are not just for the big people. They're for you too, little one. And so all of the all of the God takes care of his people, all of the God is always with you, all of the, you know, what do we learn about God's character in how he dealt with Abraham and how he dealt with Moses and how he dealt with David? Um, you know, what I love about the Hugga Bible that Sally Lloyd Jones wrote that the Rain for Roots songs were written off of is is all of this we see in all of the Old Testament story. Yes, we see foreshadowing of who Jesus is and of why we need Jesus. You know, it's not 
David slew Goliath, so if you trust in God, you can slay giants too. It's David prefigures Christ, who slew the biggest giant, who was threatening God's people. And we are the cowering people behind David with an un, an unanticipated, surprising, weak-looking champion conquering our greatest enemy and saving us. And what? so what what then that teaches about for us about God is is trust God to maybe use you as a weak person to conquer something big, but trust God mostly that he used Jesus to save you. Well, and I remember like when when I when I cuz I grew up Baptist and there was always kind of the question mark. I always knew, I mean I was told that God loves me, but there's always this God loves you, so you need to. Yeah. Or you are obligated to now, which it kind of sort of true. But there was the assurance level that you're talking about was never there. Um, and it, so then you get to the point where you're old enough to make your decision, and the yeah. decision is a really big deal. But then you're like, did I make the decision well enough? Like, I thought I was God's. And then I made the decision, but I feel the same. So I got to make the decision again. I got to recommit, which right. I probably did every year at summer camp. <laughs> Didn't we all? For junior I'm going to recommit school. my life right now right. today. I did it last week, but I'm going to do it now. Yeah. No, um, but I mean, but then, you know, in a, in a very real sense, like once you are making those, and I'm not, I'm not totally belittling the decision making because as an adult in particular, like there should be a moment of at least realizing yes. I've maybe gradually been been coming to realize this is true. Wow, I believe this. Wow, I this has ramifications for my well, life. Well, there's also the, there's also the the psychological subconscious thing going on when you're bringing a kid up in your home saying I am going to raise you and treat you as if you are going to heaven. Unless proven otherwise. Yeah. Versus, I'm going to raise you and treat you as if you're going to hell. Unless you make this really important decision. <laughs> and that, I mean, I think that has that obviously has an effect on a kid. But, you know, James but, talks about our faith being proven by our works. Yeah, but I mean, we'll, I mean, functionally, I, I didn't... My parents weren't even regular church, belief, church attenders until I was in grade school. And... Still, I don't remember, like, I always, as far back as I can remember, I remember, I feel like I've always known that I belonged to God. Same. And so, even though, it's kind of like in in the foxholes, there are no atheists. You know, everybody's praying <laughs> in a foxhole. Don't take me now, yeah. Um, it, It's kind of the same thing. I mean, unless you're really, really explicit, like this... So I had a guy respond to me and say, yes, I'm a Reformed Baptist, and I believe that my children are unregenerate and going to hell until they make this decision, okay. um, which is crazy to me to think, like, what if, okay. if you have a three-year-old have an accident, what, as a pastor, what comfort do you offer those parents? Like, there's... God has a plan for your life. Right. You know, I mean, as a, you know, anyway, I didn't push back. I just you know, said, okay, yeah. like that's, that's what you believe. But I'm grateful now to have an explicit theology where if my kids are struggling with fear of the dark, I can say, you are Jesus' little lamb. And what does the good shepherd do for his little lambs? 
he takes care of them in the dark and he takes care of them in the scary places and he takes care of them in the lonely places. That's Sally Lloyd-Jones's mm-hmm. paraphrase of Psalm 23. But, um, but you know, so as, as we're memorizing scripture, like we're for school, we're supposed to be memorizing Psalm 23 right now. As we're memorizing scripture, it's not, well, when you make a decision, you can say, God is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. You own that now because you are part of a covenant community and we believe that God's promises apply to you and you can grow up in them. Oh, we had, we were talking about adoption, you know, so if mm-hmm. we're, we're adopted into God's family, right? So, so if you bring a baby home from the hospital, there is a lot of evidence that that baby is going to have trauma an adopted baby. There's a lot of evidence that that baby will experience trauma, even though they're not actually cognizant in a, you know, in an able to articulate it way of how they've experienced trauma, but they've been separated from, they know their mom's, their birth mom's voice. They know their birth mom's smell. They, just the way you carry yourself is different. And they've been carried by you for nine months and they've been aware of it for a lot of those nine months. And so being separated from, the only thing they've ever known, like being born is traumatic enough, <laughs> but then being separated from the own, that's why, that's why you wear a baby. That's why like I've had friends who work in the NICU say that just mom's presence and like the skin to skin time, but even just hearing mom's voice or having mom touching is incredibly powerful for calming a baby. Mm-hmm. So it's traumatic for an adopted baby. To be brought home from the hospital, but that baby's always going to grow up knowing, like, there's one person they're going to call daddy. There's one person they're going to call mommy. They're always going to know that they're part of that family, and they might have identity <clears throat> issues later on, but they're not ever going to have this weird shift into, <clears throat> here's this man who's a stranger, and now I'm supposed to call him dad. But you bring someone home who is 15 and who has been functionally living as an orphan for years, it's a very different adjustment to say, I'm your dad now. You know, you're my daughter. You have all the rights. Even if dad and mom are acting perfectly towards that and not in any way, consciously or subconsciously, treating the adopted child anywhere, anything different than a child who's been in the home for their entire life, there's going to be a lot of different adjustment and then you pointed out there's a third option which is well we we're fostering you but you don't get to be adopted you don't get to be a hundred percent a member of this family until you decide that you want to be a member of this family and at so any we're, point you can be a member of this family and here's why it's a really great idea and you but you have to make the decision right and um and you have to be old enough to actually know you're making that decision. So there's going to be this totally different psychology of someone who, you know, well, I call him dad, but he's not really my dad until I decide that he should be my dad and make it official. Um, so anyway, um, so there's, there's, that was something I've been thinking about Mm. this week, but the other (laughs) sort of the, I have a little bit of a love hate not sure quite what to make of him relationship with Ken Ham <laughs> because i kind of super want to take the kids 
to the Noah's Ark Museum. Oh, I totally want to go. It's in the Midwest. Is it in Indiana or Illinois? I went to all of the ICR events growing up, like creation, all that stuff. My mom took me to all of them, and I loved all of them. It really developed a a love for archaeology in the context of biblical history. I loved it. That said, I grew up a young earther. Which but is we don't valid. Need to get in. We no, don't no. Need to so, get into that. so this is. I mean, so Ken Ham, like, he's the one who funds the Wild Brothers TV shows. That there's this is a set of mm-hmm. eight, four missionary brothers. Our kids are obsessed with them. I finally we'd we'd had one that we'd watched over and over. It's four missionary brothers in Papua New Guinea. They live on top of a mountain, and they're always doing these super interesting things, like trying to find a a wild dog that they think is that people think is extinct, but they keep finding signs that seem to lead to it and the locals I'll say it's not extinct. They find new well, they found they found new I, species I, of bugs. I remember the the one where they were doing the moth yeah. thing. Oh that was creepy. I couldn't handle that they, many moths. Well, but they found a brand new species of moth that yeah. nobody found yet. Yeah. And they super document cool. they document yeah. them. Dad is super that's his hobby. They document it. They also eat them like the locals yeah. do, which is gross. But the kids find it super fascinating, right? And they do you know, they just film it all with their own cameras mm-hmm. and then they do little selfie interviews and they, anyway, they, they do super fun stuff. Ken Ham is the one who's produced this. We found it through Seas Family Worship. If you're local and you want to borrow it, we have all eight DVDs now. They're fun. Um, he also, they're not heretical. They're he fun. also has written <laughs> this book that we got for school that I had to do a little bit of on the spot editing of about dinosaurs in the garden of Eden and like what happened to the dinosaurs? Where are the dinosaurs anyway? Like does the Bible talk about dinosaurs? Were there dinosaurs in the garden of Eden? Anyway, it's a pretty interesting book, but there were a couple of things where it's like, and as we all know, the world is only 6,000 years old. So this thing about dinosaurs can't possibly be true. And I'm like, well, some people say that, but there are very smart and legitimate Christians who would disagree with this or just wouldn't read it. But anyway, so he's so dogmatic and like probably one of the most ridiculous things that's ever been broadcast. Well, up until like the last two years is like him debating Bill Nye. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Anyway, I'm, I, I won't get into that. Bill Nye is a particular... Let's take, Bill Nye, let's take the two extremes on both sides. Yeah, what caricatures of what not to do as science. But um, what's the other let's guy? Neil deGrasse Tyson. Like, yeah. I have a... Like, the hashtag science, Bill Nye and Neil deGrasse Tyson are things that I have this possibly irrationally strong dislike of well you're in luck very strong because dislike her culture science is not in vogue anymore well it depends Mm-mm. on nope um, it's all it depends they'll still use hashtag science when it works when it when, works when, when it's, it you you could take it or leave it now it's not cool anymore that was that was five years ago, six, ten yeah, years ago. Yeah. Um yeah. we're on the right side of history and on the right side of science. Don't ever let anyone tell you otherwise. <laughs> I'm on the right side of myself. Well I'm on the right that, side of the room right now. I, Actually I'm on the left side of the room. Well it depends on which way you're facing, because you're True. on the right side according to me. I'm on the left side according to me. Um, See, that's what's whole wrong about the whole right side of history. Well, what side are you facing? You well, facing the beginning or are you facing the end? Yeah, I mean, yeah. So anyway, all okay, that, okay going back, 
Do you remember I was telling you about a survey about Sunday school kids? Yes. I just did a quick Google search, and the best hit I got on this survey was from Ken Ham's website. So I have to. I skimmed it because I was just waiting for the brown, the banana bread brownies that I let Titus make. Which, wow, I need to bake with that kid more. He really wanted to make something chocolate. And Lily and Elise got mad and jealous because they want they're they're the ones who do the baking. Lily is the baker. And mm-hmm. apparently nobody, no other kid is allowed to help bake. <laughs> and I was like, look, Titus, this was Titus's idea. I'm going to do it with him. I didn't do it last night because I was so angry at all of them for being obnoxious. But today I had the energy too. So we made banana bread brownies for dessert. And he, he knows his fractions, but he apparently does not know how to apply those to measuring stuff. And I told him, spoon, spoon the flour into the measuring cup He's like, spoons it in and then smashes it down with the back of the spoon. And I was like, so the reason we spoon it in is so it's not smashed down. Anyway, oh I have, and then I was putting Faith to bed while he was measuring so, some stuff. So I have no idea how these are going to be texture and flavor wise. Anyway. I can't bake to save my life. I tried baking bread one time and it was a disaster. Well, baking bread is very different than you can make cookies. Um, but, but I feel like I'm not as good as yours. I need to work on this skill with Titus a little bit more. Cause I want him to be able to bake. You know anyway. what I crush? You know what I crush? Betty Crocker, yellow cake mix out of a box, which is delicious, but terrible for you. Um, <laughs> I, anyway, so while I was waiting for the last five minutes, of the brownies to bake before I came down here, I Googled it and I found on this Kenham website, the place I originally heard this statistic is I'm listening to the book, mama bear apologetics on audible and i have a few friends who've read the book and absolutely loved it it's about moms training particularly moms or spiritual moms training the kids in their lives to um to defend their faith if if only internally from a very young age Mm. and the statistic so so she's combating the idea that kids, the traditional wisdom of the last 20, 30 years has been kids go to college and they lose their faith in college. And then they come back when they start having kids, right? That's kind of the traditional understanding of... And then it, that the, the coming back has been dropping off. And so, I don't know, maybe five, 10 years ago was the first, the biggest number of people not being raised in the church versus being raised in at least as a church attender. And she's pushing back on this statistic because she's saying they don't go to college and all of a sudden completely change their worldview. And yes, college for the most part is an abysmal place for fostering a Christian faith right now in America because the left has done a stupendous job of gutting colleges of actual thinking and of making them places of indoctrination by and large. But she's saying that the losing of the faith happens well before that. They just don't have the freedom. It's really loud out there. Kids don't have the freedom. Kids don't have the freedom (laughs) to stop going to church and to stop doing the things before they go off to college. But she quotes this particular statistic 
that maybe came from a survey that Ken Ham did. I'm not entirely sure. But apparently, they did a survey of several thousand people, and of the people who said they regularly attended church, certain, well, of these several thousand people, and I'm trying to think how to describe this well. I should have just copied it out. Anyway, <laughs> the point of it was kids who grew up attending evangelical Sunday schools. So we're not talking about like woo-woo Church of Christ. Is that a woo-woo one? Anyway, you know, science, Scientology. We're not even talking about like mainline churches that are dying. We're talking about evangelical Bible-believing Sunday school classes more kids who grew up in that world now don't believe fundamental truths of the faith like the Bible is without error. Hmm. Uh, Jesus is the only way to be saved. Um, they asked people to say yes or no to a particular statement, and the statement was, good people don't need to go to church. And people who grew up in Sunday school said yes to that statement, that good people don't need to go to church, more than people who did not grow up going to Sunday school. <laughs> and he, he belabored the point that the churches these people described themselves growing up in would have not taught that, would not have believed that. And yet, after shuttling right. these kids through Sunday school programs— most of them came out the other end, essentially having lost their faith and having not believed fundamental truths of the Christian faith. Flannel boards, baby. Yeah. So so I, I have not been able to dig into why they think this is the case. Like, what is it about Sunday school that's actually doing more harm than, more harm than good? Um, and, you know, because, because you and I, when, when all of the shutdown happened, we're like, yeah, we can do, we can do without Sunday school for a while to protect the world. And then when the fall started, we were like, yeah, we need Sunday school. Like our kids need to be in Sunday school. And now it's like, well, first of all, it's awfully nice to not, to have a really laid back Sunday morning. Right. But is that, you know, is that to the detriment of our kids but maybe it's not. But the thing is, like, like, the point of Sunday school in a good way, I guess the history of Sunday school was like outreach to poor kids that hmm. well-meaning ladies would collect on their way to church. Mm-hmm. But the actual Christian education of children who were growing up in the church was assumed to be happening in the home by parents. Right. And the pastor would go... He would maybe convene a couple of families in one home and then basically go do catechism questions in order to make sure that, you know, it was either informal catechism or an actual catechism. But he would ask questions and they would give answers, which is just the root of the word catechism. Um, He would ask questions and they would answer for him to gauge what knowledge they were gaining. And then he would spend some time engaging with all of them about what that meant. And... So I've been reading a book um, on the value of using catechism as the primary means of Christian education, and I'm not sure what that means for—I'm I'm not in charge of our church's decisions, um, 
but um you know if if we did have have influence that we don't have <laughs> which i'm fine with us not having um you know but i've been contemplating what all that means for raising our own young kids in a world where whatever whatever we thought they were gaining from going to sunday school they may or may not and and he was like in in ken ham's article i don't i think it's actually he who wrote it but he's like before you get all defensive it's all sorts of different curriculums, and it probably includes the type of curriculum that your church uses. Right. You know, like, it's it's not necessarily the content of the curriculum. It's, like, the something about the Sunday school setting, like the separating kids off, the, you know, the flannel boards, the coloring. Um, you know, the question of whether or not to have Sunday school is feels to teach the children feels a little bit to me like, okay, do we have the government handle it? Or do we, do we rely on private citizens to take care of X, Y, or Z? Cause I mean, you look at, you look at the church and you, you probably have a lot of families that aren't equipped, don't know how, don't have the time, you know, you name the reason mm-hmm. and even if they did, they probably wouldn't do it. So I don't know. I, the takeaway obviously here for is, uh, you know, is that we're better try than to everybody a, else no, because we've started doing catechism. No, let's kids. try and let's try to do a better job of instilling these Christian truths, as you referenced in a few shows ago. Uh, you know, building within your kids a faith worth dying for, mm-hmm. which is but what also. It is. I mean, I think the point of the the way the Mama Bear Apologetics book interpreted this and a number of other statistics was. Um, that before you get to this as a faith worth dying for, it's how do you know that your faith is on a firm foundation and can you defend the truth of it from the countless attacks that you're going to get from your own doubtful heart as well as especially now from the world? Like she said, there are atheist groups that run summer camp for kids and the whole point of the summer camp is... Like there's this invisible unicorn that these young kids, young kids are supposed to find. And of course, at the end of the summer camp, they're like, you can't find something invisible. And they're like, yeah, can you prove, though, that it doesn't exist? And the kids are like, of course, we can't prove that something doesn't exist that's invisible. And they're like, ah, so you don't have to prove as atheists, that this invisible God doesn't exist is the point of of training these very young kids to be antagonistic to those of us who believe in an invisible up there being, right? Where for so many years in the past, you could take for granted the existence of some sort of God, right? right? And then you have to build on that. But now we have to come from the very beginning to be able to help our kids defend as Peter says, be prepared to give an answer um, to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you have. Do it with gentleness and respect. So we have to instill the hope, which is the worth dying for thing, because this is better than anything else on in heaven or on earth or under the earth, as might be the case. <laughs> and it's also it's also true and reasonable. And that's kind of, I've shifted 
in where I've been focusing my mental energy into the how do we train our kids to really trust that it's true and not just taking our word for it, but taking their questions seriously or raising questions for them and starting to gently challenge them in order to, you know, as in the realm of exercise, it's not just body weight training, but now we're actually adding resistance and bands to make them stronger. It's a good analogy. Well, we're teaching, I'll include a link in the show notes. We're taking our kids right now through training hearts, teaching minds. Right? Yeah, something like that. Star Mead. Star Mead. It's a kind of classic Westminster. It's really good. You know, I go through, yeah, I go end up going through, um, I'll try to review every time we do a new lesson. I'll review, I'll kind of start from the beginning. And we're not like amazing people, guys. We've been doing this for, we're on question three. And we usually skip. We usually miss three or f- two or three days a week. a question a week, and there is a devotional scripture reading and thought. Every day. Every day. And we usually miss two or three of those a week. <laughs> but, we're, but we're managing a question a week. We're getting and it. And we've been doing it for yeah. three weeks now. So, go us. Uh, yay! And if you're also looking for something to, um, something, to, something to buy, I have I just put up uh, some new swag. Um, one of them is the hat that I personally wear. I, I put it together and ordered it a while ago and just threw it on my head and kind of drug my feet. But the other thing, and I won't get into it on this show, is I created a new a new shirt and a hoodie up there with kind of a cool logo I like and a tattoo font that says, Live in Truth. And I'm working on a blog post that I might put up tomorrow. Where did you come up with that graphic? I saw it on, you put it on Instagram, right? I found some free art and then modified it. Okay, because I couldn't even art. tell what it read. Okay. Some free and you have a blog post it. that goes with live and It's it's coming up. Yeah, I might be might save it for another another uh, just some just some thoughts have been running around in my head. You know, I'm just like this is interesting. Um, so, uh, kind of building off, you know, live not by lies and what does truth look like in today's culture? What does it mean when we're surrounded by everything from from COVID facts to mask facts to vaccinations to trump to politics to you know all the things and how you know boys and girls right all of it you know what's truth what's lie and you know we need to just be focused on you know training hearts and teaching minds what the truth is our hearts to discern and our kids hearts. yeah to discern that and so kind of as as just sort of a reminder to myself i was like you know live in truth i like that it's cool so i threw some of those up there on the story and go check it out too busy to flush.com or tb2f.com and uh, we you, you can follow us there get links to everything you might need to get linked to you can email us at tb the number 2f at pm.me tb2f at papamike.me and um, follow us on your favorite uh, podcast platform we appreciate it if you want to leave us a review we would appreciate that too feel free to send us messages and um, interact and if you know how kangaroos mate since we missed that on on the zoo show um, if you can do that in a PG-13 way you can let us know and we'll pass it on to everybody else yes if you do it in an R way We'll laugh about it internally, and uh, maybe I'll just mark explicit on the show. Block you. Just kidding. I'll just just mark the show explicit like I did last week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That said, thanks for joining us for another week of Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. I'm Molly. And we will hopefully see you guys next week.